Hey, mate, how are you doing? Here he is, the big guy. You must be much happier this week. A <laughs> little bit, you know, one win's good. McGregor has a job for another week, which is good. The player, you know, Ben Hunt has a job for another week, which is good. Yeah. But um, my real goal now is now that the Dragons have got a win, I would like there to be a week where the Dragons and the Tigers both win. I think that would be nice. Oh yeah, that would be good. We haven't had that yet. So, but how do you go, man? You were out. You were at. You were at Campbelltown Stadium. You were one of the hundred and seventy odd people out there. What was that like? Um. It was it was like going to a a local grassroots match. There was there was no one there. I mean, except for the the ring we're all getting in, or, yeah. you know, signing away, you having to prove who you are and all this stuff. Um, you know, for for contact reasons, so that if anything breaks out, they can notify oh, yeah. everyone. Yeah. But um, other than that, yeah, it was just it was eerie. The kickoff was I almost missed it because there's just no build up, and then there was a big tackle and nothing, and it was bizarre. It was only in the second half that everyone sort of was. Uh, there was a bit more chat, you know, just shouting at, at players and referees. I think everyone kind of realised that everyone can hear you. So yeah, it's weird. Hey? Everyone really started to think about what you were going to say. But it was it was a great it was a great spectacle. I really enjoyed the game. It's a, it's a shame we couldn't come away with a win, but it was a good um, it was a great experience. Yeah, it would have been different. And uh, well, I don't know. Maybe there'll be more more fans in the stadium soon, and maybe they should play some of that uh, crowd noise at the game because. Um, I'm sure the players would probably appreciate that. I don't know. Maybe who knows? They're probably know. they're probably in the zone. They don't care when they're when they're actually yeah. playing. But um, hearing the hearing the six again noise was fun. Oh yeah, what's that like? That's weird. Well, it sounds exactly like it is on <laughs> in, on television, but it was it's uh, surrounded by nothing. It's just you're watching a game, and then there's this loud pling a ling a ling, and you know it's like someone ringing a really loud bell. How's it go? You know, Sorry, I didn't. I couldn't. I could, you broke up for bling, a second. Bling a ling a ling. <laughs> uh, I actually love the sound. I want it as a ringtone or, or my message tone. That would be cool. Um, Speaking of ringtones, yeah. you know, I forgot. I've been I've been meaning to tell you over the last few weeks, but one of our uh, one of our listeners, Joey does physio, has been listening for a, a long, long time. He asked me to um, if he could use our intro theme for chasing kangaroos as his ringtone. So I sent him the audio audio <laughs> file, and he, and so somewhere in Sydney. There's a dude's phone who's ringing with our ringtone. It's 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 pretty cool. Tick so. tick tick. tick. <laughs> Does so, it have you saying uh, "Welcome to Episode 63" <laughs> or something at the beginning? No, I asked him if he wanted like vocal or just the audio. He said, "I oh, just the audio, please. <laughs> no offense, right. but just the audio." But that was all good. But speaking of, uh, I'm Michael Carboni. Here's Big T. This is Episode 69 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Our big guy, we've got a massive episode tonight. We're talking South African rugby league. And before we get into it, though, We've got plenty to talk about. There's plenty of golden points. There's plenty happening in the world of rugby league. I want to start us off with uh, NRLW. It's back. It's back. How do you feel yeah. about this? Well, I love it. And as a um, as a Dragons member, <laughs> which I'm sure we both are, financial <laughs> Dragons member, I got an email from the uh, Dragons CEO. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, did you also get that email, Cubs? Or? Mate, I'm not a member. Remember, I, I'm I'm actually um, <laughs> I'm boycotting until you know the club sorts oh. shit out. So I've been boycotting. Okay, but enough. yeah, sure, anyway, let's not talk about that. Yeah, what did the CEO say in the e- email? So your CEO's emailed me and he's told me that we are very excited that the women's competition will be running this year after a period of uncertainty. Thanks to our, uh, Andrew Abdo and the NRL for making this happen. Our, com- our commitment to the women's game has never been in doubt through the COVID nineteen pandemic, and we are pleased. We now have the opportunity to avenge our 2019 grand final loss. So he's keen as well. That's fantastic. Dragons fans will have something to cheer about this year. It's going to be the same four teams, Dragons, Warriors, Broncos, Roosters. Uh, We need to Mm -hmm. shout out to Mary Kay at least once an episode now. So Mary Kay is very happy that the NRLW is back. And um, according to NRL.com, man, I don't know if you heard this one, but the pre-COVID plan was six rounds of the regular season. So each club was going to play each other twice before the final. Now, understandably, that format will remain with three regular rounds now, and it will coincide in the that um, which will coincide with the NRL final. Sorry, uh, before Grand Final Day on October twenty five. But the good news as well is it's going to be a standalone Friday night Origin on November thirteen, which is going to be really cool. During the Origin period, I think the the gentlemen are playing on the Wednesdays, and and the women play on the first Friday of the Origin period. And the thing I really like about that is that we'll watch the um, NRLW season. Now thinking about Origin, whereas before we haven't had that. We, you know, they've played Origin in the middle of the year and then NRLW comes later. So, so this will be uh, a fantastic experience where we get to watch the ladies start making our own Origin selections. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then those girls will get picked and, and put into those squads. So that's, that's excellent. I can't wait for that. And the, or, the Origin quality of match for the women is already re- very high. So imagine like coming off the back of an NRL season. It's going to be mad. So that's, that's oh, going to be sure. crazy. Speaking of uh, comps that are back, uh, Golden Point Vanuatu. So Vanuatu Rugby League is back. So the VRL have announced the return to training for all of their teams, uh, effective Monday 15th of June. So by the time this comes out, I think it'll be happening. And um, yeah, the VRL is also very hopeful that the, their competitions will return next month. So that's good news. Rugby League waking up all over the world, including Vanuatu Rugby League. Nick, while we're talking, I mean, I love that part of the world and I know that it's getting bigger and better every week, but let's stay global. Let's talk about the new teams that we've got in Euro 13s because we've got one of our Dutch friends, Rotterdam Pitbulls. Yeah, man, I'm I'm surprised by this one actually. Um, it's a straight. I wasn't expecting the Rotterdam Pitbulls, and I'll sort of explain why. But it's hard to. Well, anyway, I'll try and explain it as best as I can. But we do know that a few. There are a couple of nations governing bodies that were that voted against having a side joining the Euro 13. So we knew there was a few of those uh, because they weren't originally aligned with RLEF or they're not aligned with the RLEF as of yet. Um, and Netherlands was one of those nations, but the Rotterdam Pitbulls sort of surprised me. They sort of snuck in there. Um, obviously, all above board, the Netherlands Rugby League has, has approved it and that's all fine. But yeah, Rotterdam Pitbulls did not expect that. Good club. They've been around for a long time. They're gonna, there's going to be a great rivalry with the Brussels team, the Brussels, uh, North Brussels Gorillas, because I think you mentioned last week, mate, they may have played in that 2015 Dutch-Belgium grand yeah. final. Um, and but, won it. Yeah, they, and won it. So the Pitbulls will be there. That's going to be a good rivalry. Um, yeah, I feel a bit for Den Haag and for, for Amsterdam, because they've been the top two squads in the Netherlands. So yeah, I feel a bit weird about this one because love the Pitbulls, don't get me wrong. Great to see Rotterdam there. But I just feel like, um, yeah, probably not the strongest side in the Netherlands. So it's a strange one for me. Are you sure that's the only Netherlands team coming in? Yeah, well, uh, Dean, B- Dean Buchan was saying and Orazio Dardo was saying that it's going to be one club per nation. 
So, okay. and, and I'm, yeah, I'm, put it this way, I'm 100% sure either way that that's the only Netherlands team that has applied. Um, mm. Yeah, so that, it's interesting. It's an interesting one. But, yeah, good on them. Rotterdam Pitbulls. Yeah, who else have we got? There was another team announced too, wasn't there? Yeah, there was another team, and I had it up. It's the Abdul, oh, it's the Anadulu 13. H- how do you actually say that name? You're asking me, but uh, I'm not sure. Anadulu 13, it's the Turkish team, uh, which is an interesting one as well. So this one, I was speaking to... Guru Yildiz, who's the the president of Turkish Rugby League, this is mm. a new, completely new club. You'll notice Ooh. that if you saw, you would have seen a logo on social media. That's not the official logo, not the official colours. They've got plenty to decide, but this club is 100% new. Their goal is they're pretty much representing all of Turkey from Istanbul over to Izmir and the the reason being is I guess they could have applied a couple of clubs could have applied from Turkey for me Ankara and Katakoy Bulls sort of stand out as being the two strongest clubs over there but I think Turkish Rugby League wanted a, a club that represented the whole country um, right. and as far as I understand it's going to be basically the Turkish domestic team so it's going to be a pretty strong team like the best of the Turkish domestic league this club mm. won't won't take part in the Turkish league. So it's pretty much Turkey. So that's it's it's interesting. You'd think they'd be pretty strong. Yeah. Now um, the article that I recently wrote for the Raw about the first um, couple of teams, yeah. where I decided I was a I was a Mad Squirrels fan. <laughs> that um, they the coach there was telling me that he he also although the Mad Squirrels aren't um aren't the national team, he's he's suggesting that this is going to be such a massive thing um for the, for football there that. The Czech, he's going to invite all Czech teams at different times to come and do open training sessions with with the um, drafted players and things like that. And so a lot of these teams are really seeing it in a similar way that the Turkish teams are seeing it, that it's a time to build rugby league in that country rather than just our team goes out and, and wins for our team. It's a it's a real country um, thing. And just speaking of draft players, yeah. I was listening to our, everyone's best friend, Nate Gladden, the other day talking about um, he just did an episode recently where he's just answering questions on Instagram, oh, yeah. like every, like everyone's favorite uh, Michael Caraboni. <laughs> but um, he was talking about how he's going to try and get to Atlanta for the draft, and it made me think that we probably need to try and get to Brisbane for the draft. I reckon road trip to Brisbane. We should give it a shot. I'll speak to Arazzi. We'll see if he's got a room for us. Maybe two rooms. Yeah, actually, it'll be weird. That would no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! I heard you first. We don't want we don't want Euro thirteen spending too much money on us. I think single bed will be fine. Um, <laughs> Head to toe, you'll find out why they call me the biggest tiger. <laughs> it's episode sixty nine, so we're allowed to be a little bit double entendre. I was waiting for that um, to come up. Yep, <laughs> sleep head to toe. Um, the other thing I wanted to say about America, though, is that they've in his episode he was talking about how America um, has has postponed all of its stuff uh, because obviously no one can really fly Canada the States, Jamaica. So there's my golden point in North America. Yeah, that's huge. You well, know the, much about this? The RLEF mm. board, they announced it as well. And Nate was actually first to it, so he broke this story. But the RLEF board have announced that uh, the postponement of the 2020 America's Championship, it's important to note that it's postponed. It's not cancelled. So yeah. uh, it was going to be played in November in Kingston, Jamaica, uh, in Jamaica for the first time too, which would have been cool, and obviously featuring USA, Canada, and Chile. It's going to be postponed to, I believe, mid next year now, mid twenty twenty one. 
the same four teams will take part. So for Jamaica, it's going to be a good... I think it's going to be a great lead into the World Cup for them. They're going to have some good game game time, match time together before the World Cup, which I think is going to be great. The only yeah. thing is we're not sure where it's going to be played. So there was going to be a, a nines... To, uh, the Amer- so every second year, they have the America's Championship. Every other year, they have the America's Nines. That was going to be in the US. Uh, in 2021, and I believe now the championship will basically just take over that, will we'll just take the place of that America's Nines. So it'll be in the States, I, I think, but I don't know if a decision's been made yet. Well, if you want a great place, he wouldn't stop talking about a place in New England that I obviously can't remember the name of. Of in he, Vermont, um, yeah. It, yeah, and so he was... Going on, I think about a team at the same time. He he was drinking whiskey, and I had it. I, I listened to all my podcasts at two times speed, so I may have missed uh, exactly how this linked. But he kept talking about the Queen City Royals, yeah, and how great a team that is. And I, and he he's got such a great way of making everything sound so exciting and fun because he just tells you how exciting and fun whatever he's talking about is over and over again, and you just believe it. And so now I, I have no idea who this team is. I couldn't find them on Instagram or when I Googled them. They're on Twitter. But I feel like I'm a fan. They're on Twitter. Of the Queen City Royals. Jump on Twitter. I know, I, know, okay, I, know, I know you live on Twitter. They are there, Queen City Royals. Basically what they are. Uh, didn't even check Twitter. D- mate, that's where you live. What do you mean? But I know. They, well, they, they are basically um, trying to start a new new club. It's very north of New England. So I, was having, I actually had a chat to them a couple of weeks ago because I was wondering if they were going to try and play against Boston 13s because it's right. all in New England. But the thing is, so... New England's very big, so the drive from no- the north to south yep. of, of New England is quite long. The guys in, from, from Queen City Royals were saying it might make more sense for them to play aside from, from Ottawa or Ontario rather than mm. play Boston. So it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure what will happen. Obviously, co- COVID-19 has slowed them down a little bit. But yeah, huge news. It's like a double golden point, man. You've, you're killing it tonight. You're welcome. And <laughs> while we're also talking about uh, American different cities and things like that, can we talk about... The World Cup city announcing, uh, sorry, the World Cup's announcing which cities are going to host which countries. Well, that's huge. Did you see this last week? I love the, I mean, their social media presence and way that they announce stuff. We talked about this when, when they were doing all of their um, ballots and stuff like that, but they are so good at this. Yeah, they're killing it. So, so the, they had a whole rebrand as well, which looks great. I think it was hashtag um, better together or something like that. I better, forgot yeah, it, yeah, yeah, which is embarrassing that I forgot it, but the branding is great. And they just, ne- 500 days to go, they announced all the host cities. Um, we can go through them if you if you like, or should what, what do you want to do? Should we go through them? Yeah, if you've got time, go for it. All right, let's do it. So, so Bolton will be hosting France. Uh, Doncaster will be hosting Samoa. Hull will be fo- hosting Fiji. Now, Leeds is going to be where the party's at because they've got Jamaica, Ireland. Then they've got the women's English side, the Brazilians, the Brazilian side, the Canada Ravens, and the uh, PNG Orchards as well, Orchids. So th- that, like, Leeds is going to be crazy. The Jamaicans and the Brazilians in particular, that's going to be a- a- quite a party. Mm. Liverpool and St. Helens will be hosting Tonga in Italy. Uh, Manchester will be hosting England and Australia, which will be huge, of course. New- yeah. Newcastle with Scotland, Preston with Wales, Sheffield with Greece, and then the wheelchair French, Welsh, Scottish, and USA sides. Uh, Tess Valley will be hosting the Cook Islands. Warrington hosting Papua New Guinea. Wigan slash Lee will be hosting Lebanon. Then York, that's going to be a bit of a party too. New Zealand, plus the Gillaroos, the Kiwi Ferns, the French women and the Cook Islands women. And finally, London will host the Wheelaroos, the England, Norway, and Spanish wheelchair teams. So I think I don't think I've left anyone out. I think that's everyone. It's huge. It's unreal. And and as you said, it was so beautifully done. The hash I think was power of together. Power of together. Um, that's right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's great. And and I just 
And I just also love it's 500 days out, but they just got me so G'd. <laughs> like, I just can't believe how well that they're keeping the bubble going, the bubbling of uh, the simmering. That's what it is, a simmering of, of excitement, even during this time where everything, all of international football's feeling a little bit, feeling a little bit postponed or cancelled. Um, they, they're still getting a bubble going um, for their for their tournament. They sure are. And there's more to come. So soon we're going to be finding out mm. um, who's playing who, when and where. So that's going to be that's going to be crazy. That's what I'm looking forward to because then we can start making some more sandwich bets. And, uh, mate, speak, oh, no. speaking of sandwich Here bets. Here we go. <laughs> and they were doing so well. Weren't they up at <laughs> halftime? Yeah, part of, some, part of some were up. Golden point. Golden point to... Um, to Serbian Rugby League, to the Serbian Cup semi-finals. So, obviously, last week, anyone that was listening would know, Big T and I had a sandwich bet on the Red Star-Partisan game. Partisan were up 14-10 at halftime. Uh, but Red Star, of course, took it out 28-20. It was a great game. It, they get, it, 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 things are getting closer and closer between these two clubs. Like, it is really good to see. It's one of the best local derbies in, in the world of Rugby League outside of the NRL and Super League, of course. But, yeah, Red Star taking home the chocolates, and I'm trying to figure out... What's your signature? What's your signature sandwich, mate? Like, what what do you got? What, what ingredients do you want to put on there for me? Oh no, I'm not making your sandwich. No, it's got to be better than me just making it. The victory sandwich I'm going to get you is a place in the city down near Circular Quay, and they do a meagering sandwich, Ooh. and you're gonna you're gonna die. Like, it's the best sandwich, and it's 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 comfortably the, in the top three best sandwiches in Sydney. Um, I pulled myself back from saying the best sandwich in Sydney because I, I'm aware they haven't eaten all the sandwiches sandwich in Sydney, yeah. but, but yeah. I would, I'd be confident in top three. So you're going to be very happy when you and I can get down there. I've got to check. My, it, it might be open. I don't know. I don't know. Well, but we'll check out when we can go down there, Cubs. Maybe we'll do a big family day. We'll take the kids down. They can look at fairies or whatever and we can get some sandwiches. Good idea. I almost don't want to suggest what I was about to, which was uh, double or nothing because um, there was obviously another semifinal match, which was between the Dorkul Tigrove and Radiki Nish. Uh, and Dorkul took that one out 36 to 18. So the grand yeah, final. Yeah, I'd be all over the Tigrove. Well, there I'd you be go. all over Tigrove. Tigrove yeah. versus Red Star, grand final of the Serbian Cup. Maybe we go now, double or nothing. No, the important thing about sandwich bets is that there's no such thing as double or nothing, double <laughs> or nothing because because it's about the event. Like it's it's you win and whatever, but then you get to see that person and have a sandwich with them. Yeah, that's good. So, that's good. So whatever happens, if I'm happy to put it, I'm happy to double down on Tigrove. Um, nothing against Red Star, but I just, you know, I'm the, I'm the Carboni in this situation where I want the underdog to finally come up. <laughs> um, so I'm happy to go on Tigrove and, and if and when, um, Red Star take the whole thing out, that's just two sandwiches for you. It's not, um, there's no zero. If I win, then we, you've got to buy me a sandwich later after I buy you the, uh, the Migrang sandwich. Okay. Let's do it again. And I'll give yeah. you, I'll give you a 20 point head start. How's that 20 sound? points? Yeah. Yeah. I'm confident and I kind of want to buy you a sandwich now. Because uh, oh, you're know, okay. such a nice guy. The niceness rubs off, I'm telling you. I like, you know how last week, we're, we're just going back to the dragons quickly. Last week, I was getting all these messages while we were talking. People like, <laughs> you know, you know how, how it is when your team loses. Yeah, of course. Well, this yeah. week, it was the opposite. We won, but I was getting the same messages and like people posting on social media, like, Cubs must be happy. Well done to the Dragons for Cubs. I didn't tip the Dragons, but I'm glad Cubs is, is happy tonight. And go. I'm like, you know what? Hanging out with Big T, the good karma, you know, from the nicest man in rugby league, <laughs> sort of rubs off yeah. a little bit. It's, it's great. Yeah. 
Yeah. There you go. No, Mate, you're welcome. Golden point, last one from me for tonight, but the wheelchair rankings. Uh, France mm. are ranked number one in the world as the official International Rugby League wheelchair uh, world rankings were issued for the very first time. So the full list, and this is great. I'm going to tell you what's great in a sec, but let me. Let, I'll go through the list. There's eight nations. So number one is obviously France. Two is England. Three is Wales. Four is Australia. Five is Italy. Six is Scotland. Seven is Spain. And eight is Ireland. And what I think is cool is... Australia's not in the top three, and it's a rugby league mm. world ranking. So mm. that, I think that's really cool. Very un-Australian to me, but just nice to see uh, see some other nations at the top. I really wish that I had this hand to list before I made my um, World Cup wheelchair predictions at the how many months ago that was. Um, but you know, what are you going to do? We need to go back and, uh, and figure out, you know, because there's more sandwiches we- on the line. We've got to go. We've got to replay that episode. Yeah, we definitely got to earmark that one so that we can listen to it during and after the um, that tournament, for sure. Mate, did you have any other golden points? Did I? Are you leading me into one? I don't think so. No, nah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing the Mary Kay, the great, uh, the great oh, lady. You're very good. But I will say, you um, know what we should do? Yeah, tell is, me. Is is, is um, I got some excellent clothes from Cotton On because um, they're doing some <laughs> rugby league stuff. This isn't a paid adver- advertisement. <laughs> neither is that sandwich place either, by the way. But continue. But, yeah, neither. Is, well, I didn't tell you the cafe's name, but the um. But they got some of the orders wrong. So I got these great, I got a great West Tigers jumper, but then I got the exact same one for the littlest, um, so that he and I could couple dress. Yeah. But it says Warriors instead of West Tigers. Now, and I bring this up because Cotton On, I'm sure, will, will switch it out for me because they're, they're, I'm sure they're lovely. However, this would never happen if it was mascotbrowns.com.au. So oh, they'd perfect. never send you the wrong thing. Mascotbrowns.com, so, mascotbrowns.com.au. 2020 vision for 10% off. What a great lead in. I can't believe Cotton thanks. On are doing rugby league. Rugby league merchandise. Is it legitimate? It's excellent, or, man. Yeah, that's cool. It's legit. It's, so what, it's, is it like um, jumpers that look like rugby league jerseys? No, 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 no. It's better. If I can be totally honest, it's better. It's yeah. it's it's clothes that don't look like it's rugby league merchandise. And so so I can actually like wear it on a normal day and people don't go, oh, what's this idiot doing? So it's just the, the West Tigers jumper is just all black. And then um, the lettering is like pressed out. I don't That's know how great. else to say it. It's like um, it's like one of those country road jumpers or yeah. whatever. And so even the lettering is black and it's only when you it's only when you look closely or you or you know oh, you cool. care that you'd actually see it says West Tigers um, on it. And so yeah it just looks like a normal black jumper with some kind of embroidering on it until you look closer and it's it's rugby league. And they've got them in every team, they've got them from every ages. Um, most beautiful tiger got a T shirt um, you know, and so because it doesn't doesn't look like rugby league T shirt but now she has something to wear to the football that's not mine and oversized, so... Yeah, that's cool. That's great. fantastic. That's like a business idea I had years ago that now I can't do because Cotton On have stolen, but good on Cotton On. Fantastic yeah. stuff. Uh, episodes coming up, so we talk about them all the time. There is heaps coming up. I won't go through them all, but I will say uh, next week I am recording with Ricky Wilby, who is the boss of New York Rugby League, uh, and I want to yes. sort of do this. Um, I, I don't know when it'll be out because we've got so many episodes and interviews happening and recorded and so many going on it's it's i say it every week but anyway so but with ricky i want it to be very similar to um the eric perez episode that we ran a few weeks ago so i'm going to ask uh, the re- that's the reason i'm mentioning this look out for our social media guys facebook instagram twitter we're going to give you an opportunity to ask whatever questions you want and i'm basically going to go rapid fire and just ask ricky as many questions as i can in a half an hour period about new york rugby league so look out for that on the socials get your questions in and i'll see how many i can ask and what we can find out from ricky will be about new york rugby league uh, very soon mascot brands have a f- absolutely sick orange new york um t-shirt as well have you moment. bought it yet i haven't bought it yet but i'm i'm 
I don't know if it's too orange, but, but um, but I'm I definitely thought about it. <laughs> well, I'm still thinking about it. I mean, it's on present. You just say you just said the word New York, and I started immediately thinking about that T-shirt. So it's obviously front of mind. But it's on brand. Mascot Browns will be happy. New York Rugby League mm. will be happy. But uh, mm. it's time for the interview again. We've gone. Our, our intros are getting longer and longer. But there's just so much exciting stuff to talk about. But tonight epi- tonight's episode is an interview that I recorded a few weeks ago now with uh, a gentleman named Fanny Brehanen. I hope I've pronounced that correctly, but he's uh, been involved with South African Rugby League for uh, almost three decades now. So wow. he was he was playing um, in 92-93, and now he's coaching at the national level. And um, what a great interview. Like, it's, for me, like, it's South Africa is obviously a place that has so much potential for rugby league for obvious reasons, but I didn't know mm. too much about until this conversation. So I learned a lot, and I hope you, Big T, and I hope all the listeners out there can learn a lot as well. It's a good one. That's going to be mad. I can't wait. Well, should we go straight to it? Yep. Let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Chasing Kangaroos with me tonight. I've got a very special treat. It's uh, Many of you will know that in all of my interviews, whoever I speak to, I'm quite well versed when it comes to knowledge from the area I'm interviewing. But this, this, is a, this is an area tonight that I must admit I don't know very much about. So South African Rugby League, it's, it's a subject to me that, you know, that there are many questions. And we're going to hear from someone who's been involved in our sport over there since 1992 so he's been around for a while and i'm sure he's got plenty of stories to tell us so all the way from uh south africa from pretoria mr fani brennanhan welcome to chasing kangaroos um thank you sir appreciate it <laughs> mate um 1993 you've been in the game for a long time how how did you get started in rugby league over in pretoria um, in '92, um, I was associated with a multi-purpose sport club, one of the oldest club sport clubs in Pretoria. Yep. And um, as a youngster, I was playing in a third-tier competition. And at that stage, uh, the competition was ending, um, and a gentleman that was also working in the club. Uh, Yopi Free uh, contacted me and asked if there's a possibility that my mates and myself would like to join a new type of sport, yep. sport club. And that's how they introduced us to the sport. But it was quite fascinating at that stage also, you know, as a youngster, all of us were looking for something else to do because um, the season was ending. And that's how we got into rugby league. And it was just in... A few months before uh, the Russians did a two-test series in South Africa. So it was quite a fascinating introduction for us. That's fantastic. And so were you playing rugby union before that? Yes, uh, for, you know, like the basic, uh, the typical South African guy, we were busy playing union rugby since school days. So um, at that stage, most of us did not know about rugby league because it was actually only introduced into the cities. And as a rural guy that came to the city, this is the first time that I got introduced to rugby league. That's incredible. You said something there, you called it union rugby. And I'm always fascinated because depending on what part of the world you're from, 
you call the sport something different. So in, in Australia, for example, if you say rugby, it means rugby union. In the UK, if you're from the north, if you say rugby, it means rugby league. If you say rugby in the south, it means rugby union. It, how do you differentiate in South Africa? Is it union rugby and rugby league? Yes, um, it, it was a case of, because most of the guys, when they were talking about rugby, it was a case of union, the 15-man code. Yep. So when the rugby league came about, it was quite difficult. And I, I believe that was also one of the reasons um, that um, at the later stage when our sports association started deciding uh, which code must go away, that they lost the plot and they saw a rugby league as same as a rugby union. Mm. So um, to, to explain to people in South Africa, we try and do it by means of this union rugby, which is the 15-man code, and then there's rugby league, which is the 13-man code. Sensational. That's good to Sometimes know. Sometimes we will use the abbreviation league, yep. um, but you know, still, it, it, it also confuses people when they you talk about league and they will um, they will um, think that you're talking about a competition. Yep, makes sense. That well, it makes sense for someone that doesn't isn't aware yeah. of, of the two rugby's, especially. And what what are some of your early memories from back in '92? You know, what are some of the struggles and and maybe some of the achievements as well in those early days? Well, you know, it's it's like it's like a, being being introduced to new code, and at that stage, being uh, um, more playing in in a third year environment, suddenly now you've you step into a code where you've got one tier guys that's playing top um, quality rugby. Um, for South Africa, and suddenly they are on the same pitch as you. Yeah. And you know, like a, a normal junior guy, when you see a senior guy, um, you are fascinating on how he does it. So you try and duplicate him. And at that stage, we had quite fearsome guys um, playing um, union rugby that joined rugby league. So it was it was a very quick learning curve for us and also the speed at which rugby league was introduced to us where you were so um, adapted to the normal slow play of union the rocks the malls the lineouts and stuff and suddenly yeah you've got an and game that fits you perfectly because most of us at that stage were the running type of guys yep. although because we will the smaller uh, lighter guys and suddenly now we're playing rugby league and we're playing against big guys and we realize, but listen, these big guys doesn't mean that much on the rugby league pitch. So um, the more we started playing, the more fascinating and the more uh, addicted we got to the game. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think for, for me at that stage, our biggest stumbling block was uh, the older generation of, of union. Yep. Um, the, the typical management, even up to school level, was opposing rugby league. Um, there's not a lot of people that will understand and, and grasp this, um, what I'm going to say, and it might unsettle a little bit a few people out there. Um, Doc Craven was one of the big, um, let's say, drivers to... to, to sort of stop professional rugby in South Africa. Yep. Um, 
I don't know if you know Tom from Follenhoven. He was he was one of one one of the big greats that also played um, league in um, the UK at St Helens. Okay. Yep. So he still today. If you go to St Helens, there's a lot of people that will talk about him. Now, uh, Tom from Follenhoven was one of the first Springboks to score three tries as a week. Yep. So you can imagine it was quite a, a big shock for South Africa when he decided to become professional in the home play league. Yep. So that that started actually the the flow of I've got a few various South African guys that actually never played league in South Africa, but that went and played league in um, overseas, especially in, in, in the UK. Yep. So uh, for us, it was quite a struggling because you had this um, management approach that wanted to stop the game. They didn't want people to play for money. So most of the times off the pitch, you had more obstacles to overcome than on the pitch because on the pitch, the game was, it was booming. It was fascinating to see how people were um, joining the game and so forth. So it, it, the politics at that stage was quite fierce. Yep. And it went on for quite a while. I think only by 95, when the World Cup took place and professionalism came into the union, that there was a little bit of a leeway. But still today you do battle because most of the parents, when you talk to them, they say, oh, no, that difficult sport that kills the guys by tackling high and so forth. So it's quite a drive for us that are in the coaching environment and in trying to get the new generation to join the game to understand. Now you can hit them with stats, which you didn't have in those days. Now you can hit them with stats about rock building. And yeah. then it, it, it is where you start um, getting interest from people. But we, we're getting there. You know, it's like they say in, in Africa, nobody can eat an elephant, but you can do it piece by piece. <laughs> <laughs> that's an int- I've never heard that one before, Fanny. So that's 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 interesting. So ninety five. You mentioned again a good, another great point. So that that World Cup in ninety five, and of course, a lot happened in the world of rugby league in ninety five, ninety six. So we had you know Super League ARL here in Australia, you know the Super League starting over in the UK, and of course professionalism in rugby union. You know, after so many years, it it sort of went against everything that they've always sort of preached and and turned into a professional sport. It sounds to me like, you know, 92, 93, 94, there were a number of rugby union players turning to rugby league because all of a sudden they could earn some money by, you know, doing something that they were great at and enjoyed doing. And then all of a sudden union sort of changes their their tact. Do you think do you think if union con- continued on as an amateur sport things might be different over there now? Um, you know, I think the biggest draft for us at that stage is you must understand, and it's quite difficult to explain it to people, that yeah. rugby league was not from the beginning in South Africa. Yes, it, uh, as far as we understand, uh, in the early 1900s, um, in, 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 in the World War, in, in the Boer War, they played, actually, they played rugby league. 
But you know, it was a small introduction. And even in, in, in 92, just before 92, the introduction of the sport was mainly done by uh, English people that either immigrated to South Africa, and that's also how we got access to it. It was people that came from outside South Africa's borders that introduced the sport to us. Yeah. I think the, the drive was not big enough. Yep. Um, you would have an individual that comes with a lot of passion and will try and put a, a code on the map. But again, it is a case of how do you get quality yep. um, immediately? It's, it's the same struggle that we've got is you need the help, you need more people that can solve the gun. Distances makes it difficult because you've got to introduce the sport to various other people. The same at school. Um, what we did is we, we, we introduced rugby league in the summer in South Africa. So we're playing basically in the summer. We, we participate in a sport code where the rugby union guys are using the winter side. So by doing it in that way, we suddenly got a little bit more interest. Going back to 92, remember 92 still people were playing um, as amateurs. So it was more case you got introduced to a sport uh, that is supposed to be a professional sport um, in other countries like Australia and the UK. But in South Africa, it was more case of the the way that the game been played, the, the, the speed, as I've mentioned, that was the wild factor that most of the guys wanted to um, participate in. Yep. Um, the, the more professional guys, I believe at that stage, because I'm just a junior, so I didn't understand it, was more looking at where can I get paid, which is still the norm up till today. Yep. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the, the news. They've opened up the window for the union guys to change now. Here in South Africa, there's quite a few shockers now. People are leaving the um, local clubs to go and play professional overseas. Yeah, well. But uh, that's a talk for another day. Yep, definitely. Well, t- tell me more, more about your playing career. So who was the club you played for and... You know what was the domestic competition like? Did you did you win grand finals? What what happened during your career? Um, when I joined ninety two, basically the club that I joined was um, let me rather rephrase. We were three clubs on one pitch. Okay. So most of the players that played with uh, my club was u- actually union guys. So they were quite junior. We we got hold of quite a few more uh, one-tier guys that joined our specific team. And then we started winning games against uh, the bigger bigger teams that had more, um, let's say, more experienced union players. Uh, I believe up till today the, the, the advantage that we as a squad had is with a few of the guys were actually rugby league guys from England. Yeah. Um, you know, that introduced the sport. Also, we had an, um, a New Zealand coach um, that was also, uh, you know, putting you already on a proper level of what the game is all about. Yep. And that helped us a lot. 
I actually played only for that season, and 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 I started um, carrying injuries, and then I had to quit the game for a while, and I had to go through quite a few um, operations. Oh wow! And um, at that stage, I started coaching again, or started as an amateur coach in in the union environment. Okay. Um, I actually had um, the privilege to coach for about three years. Um, I had my own club where we had some deaf guys. And so I started concentrating, assisting them. And the idea was that in 97, they were supposed to go to the World Cup in New Zealand. And unfortunately, um, the government didn't understand what Def Rugby Union was all about. Mm. So we didn't get our sponsors. Um, then most of them quitted the game. We closed the club. And then um, the existing CEO, Franz Parsons of Rugby League, approached me and said, listen, please come and assist. Um, we want to reactivate Rugby League to a, a better level. And that's how I got back into the game again. But this time now, only as a coach. Okay, fantastic. And you've been coaching ever since, I believe. So tell me a little bit about yes. what you're doing now. Well, at this moment, when I joined uh, France, uh, we took we took the oldest rugby league club in, in Pretoria, which was the, the Pretoria Bulls. Yep. And um, we increased the size. We had two squads in the club that played in, in the same tier level. The competition was quite hectic. We made, I think, two times we made history in South Africa. We both the squads played in a final against each other. Oh, wow. Uh, I think the advantage that we had is because we were in the city, and we were the strongest club at that stage. Most of the guys joined us. So that was one of the big benefits that I had. Biggest biggest stumbling block that we had was that the local union clubs was basically running the shows on, on, on maintenance and control of the pitches. Yeah. So they, they, they brought up exorbitant club fees for us. Yeah. At some stage, we quitted uh, the clubs and we, we participated still in the league, but we used uh, public grounds to um, practice. You know, <laughs> it was quite fascinating. I tried for three years, I tried to um, get the University of Pretoria interested in rugby league. Yeah, and it basically took me three years on which area goes, and they said no, no, no. And at the end of the day, they said, "Okay, we will allow you." Wow. So um, that was about in in two thousand and five, and since then we are with the University of Pretoria. I'm um, the coach there. Um, then what we got, we've also got what we call regional squads which I'm the head coach of. And then I've been also selected um, for the national squad now for the Mia Cup. So basically, um, I'm quite busy on, on that side also. We're preparing now for the next season. And as we have said, hopefully the government will rethink that uh, us will be allowed by August to come back into an active um, 
seize them again. That's sensational. Well, hopefully, you know, obviously the world is an interesting place right now, so hopefully the South African Rugby League domestic competition can start again in August, and it must be an exciting season. So the the Bulls won last season, am I correct in saying that? Yes. Um, well, basically, for the past few years, the Bulls are the top um, regional side, and then Tux also... Um, still, we're keeping a good record. Um, it's 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 what's 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 quite good for us is that we keep on getting new um, candidates into the the code, which is nice. Some of the guys, when they finished with their studies, started moving out to the rural areas, so they're taking the game to the rural areas. Yep. So slowly, they, there is development taking place. But we would we would love to increase the speed of it, and hopefully we can do it in the new season. You know what's so quite funny is that due to the the COVID environment in the the lockdown and the cancellation of union, a lot of the union guys um, have, have started contacting us, asking to join league because they know they there's going to be no union uh, season for them for this year. So as they know that we normally a summer sport, we hope and pray that uh, the the quantities will come in masses. That could be sensational for the game, especially leading into things like the MEA Championship, and we'll talk about that soon. But it, it's it's funny how from you know such a negative thing that's happening all the way around the world that you know for our little sport rugby league there could be some positives like that and. Um, Tell me about the, the domestic competition. Like, so, how many how many clubs are there in this competition? And and if some rugby union players wanted to come along, would would are you flexible? Could they add clubs? Would they form parts of the squad? How would all of that work? Um, what we have done is. Um uh, we are divided up like you've got uh, New South Wales and Queens, Queensland. Yep. We we've got the regions. Yep. So basically, we we divided up the regions. Inside each region, there's a, a, a few clubs that will um, either participate amongst themselves, and then we will go into the next phase where they will compete in the, in the next level uh, against the other regions. Okay. At the same time, out of these clubs, a, a, a region team, a regional team, is then selected to participate in another competition. Uh, a regional competition, like you have now mentioned, the Bulls. Yep. You'll have the Bulls, the Mapumalanga, um Tigers. You will have the Eastern Eagles, um, the the War Dogs. So that is that is our our basically top uh, level of competition. Um, on on the, um, the club side, we in in our regional competitions, we have got about plus minus eight clubs that are participating in this side. Yep. So that's that's actually a really good way to do it. So you've got your domestic yes. clubs. From there, the regional sides are chosen, and then from there, you have your yes. your national squad. National. Tell, yes, that's so correct. That regional sort of level. What would you compare it to? Like, what sort of standard, just so our listeners can get a sense, like what sort of standard of rugby league would you say they can expect in that in that regional division? Uh, our, our biggest stumbling block is that our, our start of the season is very short. 
Yep. So you, you're getting union guys coming out of the union season and immediately they jump into the competition, the club competition. So um, in the past, it was quite a battle because in the beginning, your club uh, games uh, are very slow because the ref has got to have a lot of patience with players, you know, that have still got that uh, union and adaptation yep. of going into a rock playing the player at the, at, at the tackle um, um, scenario. So in the beginning, the game is very slow. Yep. And then it slowly starts increasing. And I also believe that um, in the last past few, few years, most of our league players, um, when they go into the off-season, it's more to go into development, strength and conditioning. So less and less of them will go back to the union clubs. So they will prepare themselves more to stay abreast with rugby league. So the experience is growing massively in rugby league. So you'll have a typical junior, a junior guy coming in with less experience, going into the game, um, and, and they do it with quite a speed. And you know by now it's um, quite easy to adapt into the rugby league environment than vice versa. Yep. Now, uh, I, I would I would compare it rather to a, a, th- a third-tier, second-tier level in Australia. Okay. That is the level that we are playing. That's a pretty decent standard, and I think a lot of people would be impressed and, and you know, to hear that. And, of course, then it goes to your, your, your national squad gets selected from those provenances, I'm assuming, and you mentioned you're part of the coaching squad there for the national team. We've got the MEA Championships coming up, the MEA Championships, of course, in, in South Africa, or was meant to be in South Africa this year. Is there any word on on the tournament, given the current world climate? Is it still you know going ahead at this stage? Well, the, the latest update that I received is that the decision will be made by the MEA um, management yep. uh, by next week. They will discuss it again. I believe um, the the decisions will have to be about first of all the host country. When will their borders be opened? And when will they allow the contact sport to take place? Uh, second to that, um, also the visiting countries they will have the same problem because they will, they will also be restricted. From from us as coaching side, uh, we we suggested to our our representatives, if it's possible, if they can't rather not cancel it but postpone it to maybe March April, okay. giving a little bit chance for everybody to see what the government is all about. I mean, we can open our borders and we can host it, but uh, if there's no participation. Um, taking place from uh, other countries, then you stop. So hopefully, we 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 pray and we positive that there might be a quicker change than most people will think about, so that we can still do it. Um, I personally, and and we discussed it amongst ourselves. Due to the restrictions, most of the players, uh, I think, have lost a little bit of agency, uh, yep. strength and conditioning. So they, they it, it might not be good. To, to go into the competition immediately, and I believe the same is going to take have an effect on on other countries, African countries. Well, hopefully, um, hopefully, 
like you say, it doesn't get cancelled, but if it has to get postponed, I think that's okay given the circumstances. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I'm interested to hear about, I guess, you know, what role or what the the situation is over there because you sort of touched on it in the early days you know the union guys the union rugby guys made it difficult for for some of the rugby league players is that still the case there now or do you find it to be a little bit more cooperative at the moment um as as in the past we were restricted by i think a lot of indoctrination has taken place from the early 60s because in South Africa um, it, everybody was opposing to a professional um, sport the union guys um, got flack up till as you know up till 95 until there was a sudden change worldwide um, on that now when, when, when after 95, we said, but okay, listen, professional sport is now open, and we're supposed to be a professional sport. But uh, the, the indoctrination of the negativity that was, you know, was, I want to say, sold, marketed by the older generation of coaches, had a major effect in South Africa. Yep. People were opposing to the sport because of the the ruggedness of rugby league in the way that it's been played in the past. And the biggest problem is when the the electronic media came to bat and you had these massive amount of access to videos. The first video that they will have is the hardest hits out of Australia. And you can just imagine what effect it had on people. Because everybody was looking at videos where people were basically killing each other with <laughs> uh, contact Jesus above six six plus. Mm, wow. So um, it, 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 it frightened quite a lot of people. So it was quite a battle to get people to understand. But listen, the game has changed. I mean, the game, I mean, today, rugby league, in, in my view, in most of us, in South Africa, we have proven to them it's, it's a much more safer game than union. The way that you do uh, approach a tackle, the way that you do a group tackle, it, it's much more safer. And you will not believe the amount of attention we do get from the latest, or let's say the new generation of coaches in South Africa, in Union, yeah. that starts to adapt to um, the, the way that the rugby league group tackle is taking place. So we, we, we might still take a while. You know, and it's, it's, uh, I would say it's like an, 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 an insemination process that needs to take place in South Africa. Um, it was started in the past where some of the super clubs came and visited and played a game in South Africa. Yep. But uh, that was not enough. In South Africa, people are now at the stage where the more the merrier, which means more you can get these type of games um, available to see. And that is why, unfortunately, South Africa sits at, at, at the point of Africa. We're not in between. So getting um, uh, these type of competitions where you can play like in Europe or where you can play other countries and you've got a massive amount of access to um, 
clubs that plays the game yep. and the funding. I believe, if if I may mention it, I think um, funding sponsorship at this moment is is a big grab for us because with money you can you can actually do a lot of things. Of course. Um, in in our cases, when we do get sponsors available, it's more to cover your typical transport costs, medical um, costs, which is expensive. The government does not allow people to play um, in, in, in stadiums, neither participate in the sport if you do not have access to a good quality medic, a medical um, plan. And as we have got a lot of students, sometimes it's quite difficult to get them to, you know, to move from one coat to the next coat. Um, but um, we will we'll try and overcome that as long as we are capable of doing it. Well, it sounds like things have definitely improved and it can only get better with, with people like yourself on the ground and, and the people that are, that are involved at the moment. And I guess I want to know, what do, you, what do you think will happen next or what do you want to happen next? What is your goal or your vision for how to grow the game in, of rugby league uh, over there in South Africa? You know, I, I don't know how it, it will be um, understood by, by the listeners. Um, I started with this joke many years back when you were, were youngsters. Um, brothers and sisters were playing a game in the backyard where nobody saw you. So it was the smallest kid and the biggest brother or sister that played. The rules was not that big. And then you started introducing rules. Then you started playing in the fourth, the fourth, the front of the yard, and so that the neighbours can see what you're doing. And then the game became so big of participants, you started moving to the park, and suddenly uh, rules became uh, an issue which meant that somebody will not participate anymore, like the smaller kid will not play because it's now bigger guys playing. And it's, it's very similar in this type of environment. Yeah, you are playing, but you, your competition on the outside is other sporting codes like Union. They, they have basically, with, with our governmental funding, they've basically got the whole cake. Um, our existing sport um, buddy, Sascock, um, previously was Noxa. Yep. And in those days, they did identify the rugby league as a sport code of its own. But then when Sascock was um, basically the new body, they actually seconded us to our opposition, which is Union. Yep. So you, you you can do your multiplication, all your maths, and you can understand it's like, okay, uh, us union guys are the big guys, we'll play in the park, you're the small guys, you go and play in the backyard where nobody can see you. So it's, it's only up till basically the beginning of this year, suddenly the new generation of, 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 of management in union started accepting us in a slow mode, in a slow mode way. Our management, our own management got, um, after many years, a memorandum of understanding signed with um, the South African Union um, side. So that has opened up doors. Our first um, 
strength and conditioning um, camp that we had. Some of the senior guys from South African Union uh, participated in that. They basically evaluated how we were doing it. Yep. And we actually became good friends because the gentleman that represented the union was actually an old league guy um, who played professional league in, in France. So it's people like these that have joined Union Rugby for the profession of it by working there as director of development and so forth, that opened up the doors. Um, it's not going to take, um, or let me rather rephrase, it's going to take a while. Uh, next to that is what I want to mention is the incentives of international competitions. You know, like the typical Mia Cup. Um, we, we're trying to get funding together, hopefully, so that we can um, send a, a student side to the World Cup. Hopefully, they won't. They won't, haven't closed the doors yet. Unfortunately, our national squad, as you know, didn't qualify for um, the World Cup. Yep. So it's it's these type of incentives that we as coaches and developers are, need, are in dire need to sell the game to the people out there. You know, when you begin an, um, an overseas club or a team visiting the shores, there's quite an... an, an, an Hi, on on participation and interest, and yeah. that is what we we want to use. Um, I've said on many times that our exchange rate makes it so easy for international squads, and then this I mean clubs to come into South Africa. We have got quality pitches here, quality accommodation. It's it's a nice country to visit. And, and the people will always, always welcome such opportunities. And this is actually one of the drives that I'm eagerly looking forward to get more uh, countries, more clubs, even your, your typical third-tier, second-tier club from Australia or the UK that are interested in such a venture to come and visit us and help us to develop and introduce the sport to the new generation of players. It's a great message because, Fanny, I'll tell you, I'll share with you that a lot of people that listen to this show, or a lot of our listeners are from, you know, clubs of that standard that you're talking about from all over the world. And I don't know if they would have realised that, you know, South Africa could be an opportunity for, for you know, to take a squad over and, and play a couple of games and, and have a few few matches against local competition I think that would be fantastic, and um, the, the the MEA to me, the MIA Championship for South Africa is really important because it's one thing that Rugby Union doesn't have, and that is really close competition for South Africa in the African region. You know, South Africa has to play in, you know, against Australia and New Zealand, or now they're talking about playing rugby in in Europe to get some competition, but they don't really have that close to home. And if if all of these African nations are building up slowly together with, through this MIA championship, I think it can only mean great things for rugby league in the whole region in the future. Uh, you said precise on the dot. Um, our management 
actually in, in, in one of our discussion sessions said that will be the drive here first is to get more participation. I mean, uh, with all honesty, your ranking depends on how much you do participate internationally. Yep. And uh, I think I think I, I, I can vouch for many of the coaches. There's, there's the amount of uh, talent in South Africa eagerly awaiting. But we need to, as I've mentioned, we've got to um, inseminate, artificial inseminate the sport. But to do that, you'll have to get the typical sponsorship that can cover the travel costs and accommodation costs of teams. Um, and that is our biggest draft, or let's say one of our projects is to see how we can get sponsorships where we can assist and, and, you know, it's not the case of uh, getting international, national squads here. It's to get clubs here. Yep. Because those are the guys that, um, I, I'm, I'm not sure about Australia, but, um, you know, even clubs would would, would uh, be very interested in touring. Because that is also cross-pollination at the same level. The guys on that side have got the same fears and drafts and obstacles, and they can share the, they can share their knowledge with us. I mean, um, one one of our key objectives is learn from the best, and that's uh, I believe it's club level. You've got to learn from those guys. They've got ideas that will excel, assist, and maybe develop your own club to a better level. It's a great message, and Faini, I must say thank you so much. I um I wasn't sure what to expect from this conversation because, as I said, South African Rugby League, it's not a subject that I know a lot about, but I feel like you've taught me a lot in the last, you know, 40 minutes or so. I know our listeners have learned a lot today as well. Um, my final question, I guess, would be to, to ask you, how can our listeners find out more about Rugby League in South Africa? How can they follow along, and, you know, how can they ask questions and, and learn as we have so far today? Well, first of all, I think with the electronic media, the Facebooks and so forth, we also had a discussion session and um, amongst ourselves, and I believe the new generation will start working on that to get more information out there to people outside our borders. It's not a case of only inside, but also outside. Any platform like this is welcomed. The more the media talking about it. Um, for us, it's a case of um, our Facebook um, will be uh, looked at. Uh, the guys uh, said that when the new season comes about, we will keep the listeners, the people that are interested in South African rugby avail- uh, in contact. Um, what I'll do is I'll forward you again our Facebook page. Um, people are more than welcome to contact me in South Africa. Um, I'll provide you, or you can share it in the way that you want to, my email address, and they can contact me. And um, if they are interested in, so for example, like I mentioned, I'm inviting the clubs there. On, on the outside, if you're interested in visiting South Africa, I believe most of the guys are actually in season now. Um, the off-season, if I'm correct, um, is basically from August, September, October. 
that's our season. It's lovely in South Africa. You can come and visit. You can play. You can go and look at nature reserves. And um, um, learn how to drink some of our wine. <laughs> that sounds Enjoy good. some of our bogo. <laughs> and um, our hospitality. That's We've got a lot of sunshine for the guys on the northern hemisphere. <laughs> which is not a problem for you guys in Australia. Oh, sometimes it can um, be, but that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, again, as I said, um, uh, we will get we'll get out to the public more contact areas. Uh, I'll, I'll actually relate the, the request also to our management to to put out more um, face value Facebook wires. As I said, what's what's the space? Hopefully, if our government allows us to start participating again, our uh, active season will start here by September, August, September, and we'll, we'll put that on, on the Facebook pages and email if there's anything available. If our sponsors are going to allow us, we are busy with a draft to get more of our games streamed. This is one of the things that I learned or we learned in Australia that it's a magic tool. Um, because our local television companies here are too expensive yep. and um, apologize for the, the quote but um, we, we, we will definitely stream more of our club games and uh, regional games for people to see um, if they want to watch the games Sensational, well yep, share that Facebook page with me and the email address, yes. we'll, we'll add that to our show notes so if any listeners would like to make contact or just give you guys a like and follow along they can, I look forward to hearing about the streams, please if there's any information or news please let us know because we'll share that amongst our pages as well uh, throughout the next season, so uh, funny, it's been amazing speaking to you um, a big thank you for chasing kangaroos with me today a pleasure, sir, and um, good, um, well for everybody out there. I hope the COVID will be uh, a thing of the past quickly. You too, And I hope to talk to you guys again. Cheers. We'll speak, we'll speak soon. Bye. Bye.